Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And today's topic is modernizing data management. What are we talking here? So we have an issue with data sprawl uh, among most organizations, a whole lot of data coming from all different directions and we have to manage it. So when we talk about that, it is getting very complex. And at the same time, you've been mandated as leaders to get some very accurate insights timely, which could be handed over to the right constituents so that they can make use of it and create business value. That's a problem. And then there is a lot of data which nobody knows exists, which could, if somebody had known, have utilized for business purposes. So we have all these problems that we are grappling with. So idea that we wanted to discuss on this forum is primarily first to inventory the kind of gaps that exist in our data strategy and architecture, and even the execution process of this whole data management, which could be causing these issues. And then let's talk about the potential ways we can modernize this data management discipline so that the data that is available, it is available seamlessly and accessible seamlessly to all people who require it. It can be easily shared and it can be processed in a distributed environment across applications, across systems and across platforms so that business gets what truly wants by exploiting the very value of data, which is lately the currency for digital. So to discuss this, we have Luis Fernando Lopez, who is the Chief Data and Analytics Officer, LATAM, for Chubb. Hey, Luis, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. Great to have you, sir. And we have Navi Grewal, Global Chief Digital and Information Officer with Master Brand Cabinets. Hey, Navi, how's life? All good. Hey, Sanjay. Great. And we have Ravi Krishnan, Chief Data and Analytics Officer with the state of North Dakota. Hey, Ravi, how are things? Things are great. Good morning, everybody. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, let's start with you, Louis. Um, I mean, I've literally been talking about data with leaders like yourself for the last 19 years. And I've always heard, and yes, of course, in the last decade, this noise about data increased, that data sprawl is increasing. But then people also invested a whole lot of uh, money, time, energy, invested people into this problem. But it seems like the inefficiencies, the kludginess, the complexity doesn't seem to go away. What are we missing? Um, I think we are, we're living with a lot of purpose, right? Uh, we're, we're trying to get data um, as soon as, as we can, right? We, 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 the organizations I've been with um, have switched the view from trying to do the, the bare minimum of getting a sales dashboard, some reports, some, you know, trying to get um, data to make decisions in, in a very use case dedicated way and, and very uh, small part. And then for all of a sudden, we started moving to, to big data and trying to get everything. I, even if we don't know what do we want to use, right? And that's that's where where the problem actually lies because we're 
uh, we, we switch this view. We try to, um, <clears throat> to change from, I'm going to take this that might help me make better decisions to I'm going to have it all and see if some of this makes sense and see if some of this actually gets, <clears throat> gets in the way of, of me uh, getting a new insight, something that, ne that was never discovered. And, and, and the possibility of that, uh, in my opinion, is, is very narrow. Like the chances that you are getting an, an insight that uh, people with 20, 25 years in the business <clears throat> does not know, does not uh, seem to, to uh, grasp, it's very little. And it's, it's definitely possible, right? But um, I think we have to start going a little bit back to actually get information that we're going to use, right? The, the, the problem with this is our cloud servers are getting bigger and bigger every day and our um, dashboards are getting more info and, and, and they're becoming unmanageable. Uh, we have to be more lean about the, the information we get. We have to get more lean. We have to work with the business and say, hey, what are you actually going to use? What are you actually going to... Uh, If I get this much information, are you going to really use it to make decisions or are you just going to ignore it uh, and let it stand there and make decisions with what you already do? And that way, <clears throat> we can be honest with our companies, with our expenses, with our, you know, uh, with our culture and really make data-driven decisions, but with data that we are actually going to use. Like, I think that that's, that's part of the, the, the bigger problem. We're trying to, to make much Uh, much more, and we're lost in that translation of of getting much more. So, Louis, based on what you said, <laughs> it seems to be like a data strategy development problem because we don't even have a blueprint on how we want to handle data. So, to that end, Navi, coming to you, if data strategy is not made relevant or it's not staying relevant, what? And basically, when it's not staying relevant, means whatever is happening at the business level, perhaps data strategy is not able to catch up. Or maybe it was never created as aligned with the business environment. So what, what's preventing it? Are we, like to Louis, uh, you know, comment there, that are we always thinking too narrow or we are rolling the dice to say, okay, let's get a bunch of data from wherever possible and then see if it would help and it's almost like rolling a dice. Is that what's happening? Um, I feel, Sanjay, that um, our approach sometimes is faulty, right? We focus too much on data strategy. For me, we should be changing the paradigm to say information strategy, right? Start with the question, what is the business trying to solve for, right? And over the years, it's evolved. Uh, Pre-COVID, there was a lot of focus on consumer. I want to understand the segments and all that. During COVID, it totally switched to, okay, supply chain. What is the pricing? Can I catch up with pricing and all? And now I think the focus in the next couple of years is going to shift to inventory. I mean, next is going to be now, okay, everyone wanted everything quickly. And now everyone's going to be, I mean, based on how the economy is going to go. So to me, for us to be relevant with the data strategy, what we have to do is kind of be in lockstep with the business to say, What are the problems that you're going to try to solve in the future? And then go back and think about what is the data do I need? Where does the data come from? I think we sometimes get too hung up on the data and which ERP and all that that it comes from. And we stop the focus on the information. 
The other thing is the trust in the data. I think that is the biggest thing in the business is that when you give them the data, they don't trust the data. So I think the uh, approach to say, okay, let's start with the minimum viable and tell us where you see the data issue. Because what happens a lot of times is they were like, oh, I'm not sure if the data is 100% accurate, Navi. What I'm going to do is download the data into Access or Excel or SQL databases and now try to change the data to answer the questions in the way that I want it answered, right? So I think what we have to do as a leadership team is stop that and say, guys, we've got to fix the issue and let's go back to the source and fix it rather than us having multiple offline sources, which then we lose control. And then that leads to this whole data strategy being a failure. So those would be the two things that I would focus on, Sandra. So Ravi, based on what Navi mentioned that, okay, as a business, you have to look at business first and what does the business want? And that, of course, is leadership 101. And someone is missing there because of which we are having these issues. And I'd like to bring up this point that chief data officer role of course, is was introduced almost, I would say, five to seven to 10 years ago now for the simple reason that they needed some specific dedicated effort to that end where data is seen as an asset and it's not just floating around and we're trying to see if we can make some sense of it. They are made owners and other stewards of this very valuable asset. Even though we did that, what do you think we missed out, even though you've been given this dedicated role or any data officer is supposed to work on, what is preventing you from making this all come together and we sing Kumbaya and life is beautiful? That's a great uh, question, Sanjo. Uh, you know, the chief data officer in any organization is almost expected to be like a magician. You know, comes <laughs> exactly. <laughs> comes in with a magic wand that's, you know, part of, uh, you know, their toolkit and they just wave it around, get things done and solved. Um, the reality is there is not one type of chief data officer, right? So there's a chief data officer, there's a chief data and analytics officer. Some companies actually separate those roles. They put data you know, officer in the IT side, analytics officer on the business side, some have a different combination. But the bulk of uh, you know, the, the thesis is this, right? Data as an asset, is not owned by IT, right? Data as an asset should be owned by the business. And that is the primary role of the chief data officer is to bring that awareness that you know, ownership and governance kind of you know, has to belong with the business. We can enable you within the IT side, we can provide the guardrails, we can provide the tools, the technologies, the know-how and so on and so forth. But the real work of data lives in the business. When I say data ownership, it means all kinds of things, right? How the data is sourced, where the data is obtained from, you know, which vendor, how do we get the good quality data from these uh, vendors, internal or external sources, and also to make sure that the data is trustworthy, right? Can the business use the data to make those decisions that they're looking to do? So I think that is the big uh, piece which a lot of organizations tend to miss. Um, and I have seen, you know, in my experience, you know, and I'm, more recently I'm in the public sector, but I have spent a good chunk of my career in the private sector running large data strategy, data governance engagements. Um, so in my mind, unless data strategy and governance are clubbed together, you know, almost joined at the hip and said, you know, we got to do data strategy, very important, 
but equally important is data governance. Put those you know, structures in place. Uh, you know, we call a business data steward. You know, there's, there's got to be a corresponding technical data steward, for example. So they are counterparts in that journey. Um, and that way we can ensure that, uh, you know, whatever we're trying to do in terms of business outcomes, answering those business questions, getting those business solutions out there are all, you know, in lockstep. Uh, so that in my mind is the biggest, uh, you know, hurdle to cross. It's a hard one because this involves all kinds of things. It requires a culture change. The organizational culture should be able to support it. It requires data literacy. Everybody needs to be aware of what data is, how it can be used, what to do with it, and so on and so forth. And then, of course, the execution part of it. We need people that have been there, done that, being able to show the ropes to others with less experience. Uh, many data programs falter because we're not putting these you know, control structures in place at the outset. We do it as an afterthought. Uh, so in my mind, that makes the big difference. I would. Uh, I just wanted to add something, Sandra. So I totally agree with you, Ravi. And uh, I think I saw the evolution to your point where we started with enterprise data warehouses or data lakes, and now we're moving more towards a domain-based architecture, right? Where each domain is owned by a product owner and they are tasked with organizing the data sets and all. And to me, rather than one organization or a central team owning everything, and not understanding the data really well and handing it over to the product owners who can actually go in, educate people, what does the data mean? What kind of insights can we drive? Has worked really, really well where uh, we have implemented that, that kind of a org structure. Oh, absolutely. And I want yeah. to, sorry, sorry, I, I just went ahead. Um, I just wanted to add something, okay. which is, we are in a, in a very complicated, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone here, uh, I think we're in a very complicated um, spot where things, a lot of things were not done at all in the past, right? Um, I've worked in companies that spent 15 or 12 years with no data work at all. And right now, we're expecting <clears throat> to be able to deliver a big uh, machine learning and AI algorithms uh, that, that run near real time. And that that you know are gonna make uh, they're gonna be game changers for the business. And it's just like, but we don't even have foundations. We don't even have where to run those algorithms. You're so like like you want to talk about. And and we have some. Uh, I had another company's business leaders that go, hey, we're gonna do AI and we're gonna do this this much in 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 Forbes magazine. And it's like, dude, we're we're not delivering that. We're not doing that. Uh, it's just kind of a, it started to be for some part of the business a a, um, a thing to brag about, you know, to, to say we're doing this, but we're actually like very, very behind trying to do that. So I don't know. I don't know if you get that that feeling too. So, Louis, when uh, based on the comments even Ravi made and <clears throat> Navi made, uh, and and I'm I'm gonna go to say your organization, right, Chub? Uh, it thrives on data, right? So so you, you essentially yep. use that as a currency to do literally everything. It's a services organization. It's very data heavy. And you were brought in. I'm I'm, I'm not sure how long ago, but whose server worked on data? I'm sure at the business level. I assume that they would be enlightened that if we did not manage data well, God bless us all, right? <laughs> And, and uh, you might have tried to do things, 
to make it better. So is the intent missing from a business side to take ownership and say, okay, we'll put all our might into fixing data or the ability is missing or it is pure inertia, which is holding the organization. I'm, I'm not sure what your current state, so it'll be good for us to learn. And or even overall as other organizations which are very dependent on data, is it the intent that is missing? Is it the ability that is missing or is there a pure inertia that why bother? I would go with inertia um, because, you know, as, as I was trying to, to express before, um, right now in Chubb, there's a there's a kind of a sweet spot because we don't lack data availability. We don't lack data. We don't lack uh, will, which is very important. Like the business wants to do this and the business thrives to do this. And that it's a problem in some, in some companies that they're not so open. But in Chubb, we are willing we have data we're willing to use it <clears throat> we have the right resources in place the thing is we we realized we needed this kind of late when when everything started like going so fast and then kind of data stopped at, at, a, at a point and then we need data to kind of leap from where it is to where we want it to be to make uh, more automated decisions to have underwriters <clears throat> focus more on uh, getting more work uh, or more customers instead of trying to to sign the, the past customers. So, so you know, uh, we, we need data to leap from one place to the other and, and um, there's not enough hours on the day to do that. So that, that's kind of the problem. We, we haven't found the rhythm, but the, the other three pillars for me that are we have data, like we know we have it, business wants to do it and we have the right resources are, are fundamental to, to this operation to work. Like we, we just have to get uh, the rhythm in place. We have to go to a better pace, but that that's, that's literally on me. And, and, and that, that's great because uh, this is the first time overall that I have the, the tools in the right place and the people in the right place. And it, it feels way different to work in this way than, than the others. So you're saying it is more like a project now versus a problem. You just yeah. get it done, and next year I come to you say, "Beautiful, everything is in place, huh?" No, probably not next year because it's just around the corner. Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay, but in twelve months we can talk. <laughs> okay, beautiful, beautiful. Now, now to that <laughs> end, so uh, now we're coming to you. Um, since we said, I mean, we heard inertia as one of the things, and we have had some other issues that were raised. So. Would you say that this is like, uh, it's not truly a problem problem. It is something that we are all learning. We are uh, evolving. We are improvising. And that is how we will get a reasonably good handle. We will never reach a perfect stage, but good enough would be a good thing to aspire for when it comes to data management. Yeah, so... I would say there isn't a world that would ever be perfect anytime, right? With the amount of data coming in at us, the variety of data coming in at us and the business um, um, needs for the data evolving will always be good enough. And then we'll jump to another thing. Going back to Luis's point, I think one thing um, that I've seen is always a roadblock from a data strategy and the analytics perspective is the speed. Always, as I don't know, I mean, being in IT for a long, long time, the businesses won't come to us because IT takes forever because we try to look for the perfection 
I want that data coming in in a perfect this and perfect. And when they come to us and I'll be, hey, I want to know where is my order or where is that? And I'll tell them, okay, guys, I need this ERP, that ERP. I have so many backend systems. It's going to take me uh, four months to get back to you. They're like, four months? By the time my business problem is solved and you are coming in four months. So I think that's where we have to uh, focus on is what is our approach? How do we add the business value? Earlier, we took a, a lot of the waterfall approach to say everything has to be perfect and then I'll give you stuff at the end. I think moving more towards the agile framework to say, okay, let's solve the business problem iteratively. Let's give you some data and then add on to that so that there are every two weeks sprint and people see the value. I think speed has always been the issue for the uh, for everyone in the BUs and the functions to come to us. And that's something that we have to solve for. I don't think it's as much about the uh, talent or that. It's just our approach to adding business value and solving their problems has been a big challenge. So any specific areas that you recommend people start picking, paying a close attention to, which is whether in terms of data, technology, business architecture, where if things were improved, you will get a, a, a quantum leap ahead in this whole journey? I think, to be honest, uh, Sandra, as I said, I think it's the approach. How do we implement? How do we approach? I think more of agile parts uh, where we come up with who is the product owner? What is the business problem we're sol solving? Try to focus on the developers and all that. So, so that that's a part that's working on a business problem. Then we can spin out multiple parts at the same time. So to me, if we can focus on the execution and then um, the other approach that we've taken is the platform and the product approach. There are engineers, there are people in the back end that are just getting that business demand and they're churning. So you set up the data factory in a way that the demand comes in, you're able to get the output in a much quicker fashion. So to me, setting up those pods to work in parallel with the product owner who knows what business problem, what the data means, and then having that engineering and data engineer and the developers layer that takes the demand, I think that's the uh, way for us to solve that speed issue and the problem. That to me would be the one that adds the most value. But I would love to hear Ravi's and Louis's approach to that. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, Ravi, I would love for you to respond to Navi's question. And also, let's talk about uh, the execution challenges which we may be facing, which is causing us to be in the state that we are in. It's not a bad state, but I think we can do a lot better. But please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. So, Ravi, uh, Navi asked you for your input. And also, once you've uh, shared your thoughts on what her points that she made, and she very well allowed a segue into the execution. And my next question to you will be about the execution challenges that we are facing, which is preventing us from reaching at least a good enough state. Thank, thank you for that uh, question, Sanjog. And uh, Navi, good points there that you made. Um, you, you know, I am just fresh off a Gartner conference this week, last week, right? Uh, we had uh, well over 6,000 people show up for the first time in three years. So it was refreshing to see a sea of people, right? And they're all data practitioners, data gurus, CDOs, and so on. To me, it feels like through this pandemic, something has changed. And I want to start with this, right? In the good old days, we had a simple data warehouse, right? Whether it's a Kimball warehouse or Inman warehouse, those data marts. Through this pandemic, you know, you realize that a lot of people, a lot more people have done data lakes. A few had done it before. So we have data lakes on the cloud, right? Then a few people tried data meshes. And now the in the in uh, Theme item is data fabric. Everybody and their family is doing data fabric, right? So we have a multi-cloud architecture with data fabric and a lot of the experts are also pushing this view. So this is the challenge that the CDO faces, right? Working with his or her counterparts in technology, in security, in business, to kind of think about how do we future-proof our architecture, right? Whether it's a technical architecture or business architecture, um, as a result, you know, what happens is many organizations end up going into POC mode, right? So they're continuously doing POC. So we have part 11 doing POC for XYZ. Part 12 is trying something else. So we are in a race among ourselves to figure out which is the best architecture, the best way to move forward. Some organizations um, that are more conservative take, uh, you know, the less uh, risky approach. They say, we have a working architecture. We have a data lake, we have a data warehouse, let's not break it, let's just keep going. But if you want true transformation, you have to mix you know, some of these more cutting edge technologies so that in five years, you're ready with the more you know, current priorities, which leads me to my primary point here, which is around uh, computing priorities. The biggest challenge that we face today is the lack of you know, clear prioritization. The business will tell you, we have 14 items that are number one priority, right? So how do you prioritize? And you know, some, some agencies, I mean, some uh, organizations have like three, four, five lines of business. In state government, I have 75 agencies I work with. So we have 75 number ones, right? So who do you pick? Where do you start? Where do you execute? And who gets the bulk of your attention? I think that's a big question to be answered by uh, IT leadership, you know, te technically within where you know, the data organization lives, but it could be on the business side also. It really has to be driven in such a way that we are able to deliver on the top two or three items, anything more than two or three top priorities, and we're setting ourselves for failure upfront. Now, in the execution side of things, I agree with Navi's points um, around agile transformation. We've all done that. We've all brought in agile coaches by the bus load, right? They will drop ship into your organization. They'll go sit, sit with their pods. They will preach the, the glories of Agile and Scrum and Kanban, you know, till the cows come home. And after a while, you know, for six months to 12 months, everything is fantastic. Everybody's still drinking the Agile Kool-Aid, fantastic. 12 months, 
when you hit 12 months, that's when something changes. Why are we doing these? Why do we need a retrospective every two weeks? Why do you need to sit uh, for continuous improvement every, every week or every two weeks? So teams start having that age of fatigue. This is where the leader steps in and says, you know what? Mm-hmm. So it's great. We gave you a good uh, you know, framework to start with, but we want you to improvise. We want you to customize your approach in a way that meets not just the needs of your customers, but also keeps your employees happy, your morale high. So that ability to twist, to pivot, to adjust, I think it's going to be crucial for execution because you know, the motivation levels of employees through this pandemic and with the great resignation, <clears throat> especially, right? We've all been grappling with that. Resignations have been flying in left and right. There's really <clears throat> nothing we could do, just sit back and watch. Uh, in many cases, right? So we have to be making sure that we build an environment that is more employee friendly, that is supportive of the work that they're doing and in a way enabling that execution that we need for the business. Uh, So those are areas that I would focus on is making sure that we are building that, you know, clean environment where everybody is clear on the priorities, nothing is, uh, you know, behind uh, a dark wall, everything is out in the open, it's transparent, we know what our priorities are for the next year, and then giving ourselves the, the freedom to experiment, giving the teams a space to go and execute. I think those are the keys to success. That's interesting. Uh, no. Sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, I just wanted to, to uh, get, get into two points of, of, uh, Ravi's, um, of Ravi's uh, participation. One is, and, and, and kind of the two are mixed together because I think uh, this data lake strategy and, and now there are new things coming and there are new new uh, technologies, new ways of, of, of putting data together and, and the, the, the leap from data warehouse was kind of big uh, or not so big to what's coming and, and we haven't even talked about blockchain and stuff. But the thing is, when we finish delivering a full 100% state of the art daily, things are, things are going to be past move data leaks, right? Like, like that, that's, that's kind of the, the thing that, that worries me because we're moving at a pace. Uh, globally, data management strategies are moving at a pace that most companies cannot move. Like I think companies have to stick to, to something like to say, hey, we're going to do this. And even if in five years, everyone changed uh, their data management strategies to blockchain, we're going to stay here because we're going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of other things because we're going to, we're going to go mad. And, <clears throat> and this data problem we talked about before uh, is going to be crazy if, if we have different technologies. We, right now we have three different clouds, right? Um, big clouds. But then uh, one, another one can be coming. Another one can be uh, challenging the way we have it. And, and we're going to, we're going to be, Dividing information more, and the, the same point to to agile um, to agile methodologies because uh, I have found out that agile doesn't really work for my teams. Like it's it's not it's not a a, a work you know that, that you can be specific saying hey how much are we gonna take ingesting this two weeks no it's not gonna take two weeks it's gonna take more okay then we're gonna take three sprints to ingest this well th- then the whole purpose of it changes. Like there is, there is no, uh, there is no methodology that sticks to data as much as we want, like as hard as we want it, 
and we have to be re realistic on we have to stick to to a strategy for the long term and two we have to find a methodology that works for everyone like that really i i, I literally took a step back and say hey we're gonna go with excel and we're gonna go with a backlog and say how much are good you gonna take to do this okay good and what are your roadblocks And end of the story because we take a lot of time doing retrospectives and planning experience and doing this and doing that. And the first deliverable is not even reached. Like we, we, we take too long to deliver stuff. Two weeks sprints doesn't work. Sorry, Navi, please go ahead. Actually, I'm just going back to the point of Agile and uh, the sprint. So I totally agree with you, Robbie. There's like when you want to change the culture, you put in agile and everything that can stick forever. Everything is changing, evolving on a continuous rate. I would just give you a simple example, right? Um, where's my order? The biggest issue that our company or from the customers we heard is not me. I don't know where my order is. And then we ship big kitchens and cabinets for somebody who is uh, redoing the kitchen or making a house, right? So when somebody places an order, all the way when it gets shipped to a customer, there are probably 50 data points that it stops and all that. So my thought was, okay, let me focus on Agile and say, I can give you three stops. So let's start with the customer to say, you place the order, we received it, and, and now it's on the truck and gone, right? And then we added more uh, data points for them to understand. So there, it, it took us, six months to get to where my order is, but then we took a more of an added approach. And then after that, anything beyond that, it becomes version one, version two, version three. So I totally understand. Not everything works in an agile manner. Not every culture is ready for that. So you have to make sure it's going to stick and it's going to be ready for your culture. One question that I had for Ravi, I know you talked about this innovation and new things coming in. How is your team organized? Do you have a run and maintain team, which is like dealing with the business requests coming in because the business still has to run and there are new requests coming in and there is all these innovative ideas. I think every week there's something new that comes, right? First of all, you have to see which is noise and what is real. Do you have a team that's focused on education and once it's ready, then you implement it in mainstream? So, I mean, because that's something that I am thinking through too, right? Should I have a separate team there, run and maintain, and how do I balance that? Good uh, feedback there, Navi, and good question as well. Um, you know, we have what we call a work intake team, right, across uh, the organization. And this is composed of, you know, members from every vertical. We call them the chief data officer vertical, chief technology officer vertical, chief security officer, chief customer success, right? So most organizations have some form of work intake, some kind of backlog, grooming, or prioritization. I'll tell you, my experience tells me um, it's always a work in progress. It's never perfected. Every organization I've worked at struggling with this whole concept of work intake, right? How do you prioritize? Which one is more important? Who gets to work on it? But we've gotten it down to a point where we're able to say when business assigns and we've you know, pushed all our business users to say, we want to use, you know, one of the tools. I won't, I won't name the tool, Sanjo, just to, so we are, you know, tool agnostic. Have a tool that business can actually start entering ideas, right? This is what I like to explore. This is kind of my budget. This is what I want to do. So that comes into a central pool where we sit down as leaders and evaluate the requests and we start funneling it or triaging it to different divisions. You know, somebody needs to go research it. Enterprise architecture, please go weigh in on this, right? Is this the right approach? 
you know, what tools do we need? How do we build this? Um, and we kind of have that model um, where a lot of the vetting out occurs before we even write a single line of code and before we send it to any team. But once we are all aligned, this is when we send it to the agile teams for execution. So we have uh, in the, in the CDO area, we have 22 agile teams, right? We call them pods or agile teams and you know, scrum teams or whatever you like. So each of these 22 teams, they do you know, the entire gamut of work. So my responsibilities include ERP systems. So we got PeopleSoft systems. We have a lot of developers also, which is kind of interesting for a chief data officer. So we have .NET developers and Java developers. So I'm able to catch where the data is being generated by these applications, right? We also have a lot of the traditional DNA, data analytics functions, data management functions, business intelligence, data warehousing, cloud, uh, and data scientists. So we are one of the few state governments in the country that actually has data scientists on our payroll doing active data science and machine learning projects, right? So we're very proud of that aspect. Um, and in the middle of all this, we also have what we call geospatial information systems, GIS. A lot of the map data, you know, weather data, traffic data, snowstorms, and so on. So we get get get, get to you know uh, have a nice sprawl or spread of all these you know data elements being created. Um, so it gives us a nice window to organize it well. Um, and our ultimate goal is to be able to connect these teams as feeder teams, right? So let's just say a data warehouse team builds a warehouse, the business intelligence team builds dashboards on top of it, and the data science team is then able to feed off the work of these teams. So I want to create it like an, almost like a little bit of a supply chain internally. Um, it gets complicated very quickly when you apply things like a scaled agile framework, right? Many of you have uh, experienced this. There's Scrum at scale, you know, scale agile framework, um, where you have the concept of agile release trains. So within an entire organization, you think of this as a train with an engine and compartments, right? Each of these compartments represents one agile team, and they all sit and plan together every three months. But where it gets complicated is when you have multiple trains running, right? The chief technology officer may say, you know what, I need my own train, so let me build my own agile teams. So all of a sudden, you're talking hundreds of agile teams across the organization, right? Literally in the hundreds. And how do you keep them in sync? This is where the role of a traffic cop comes in, traffic cop for trains or signaling mechanism, right? So this train comes and delivers business value till this point. This is where the handoff occurs to this next train. You pick it up, you execute. So this is where uh, you know a lot of that coordination among the leadership teams is very, very important to you know, have. I have seen this work really well in the private sector. Uh, in government, it's a bigger challenge because more than anything else, we are budget constrained, right? So we are all uh, funded by taxpayer dollars. So we're very sensitive to you know, how we spend. But in the private sector, I have seen that you know, we were able to execute um, things like this at a much grander scale because of our unlimited budgets, you know, quote unquote. Um, but th those would be some ideas for execution. I'm curious to see in how you know your areas are organized, Navi and Louis. All right, so let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back after these messages. And thanks so much, Ravi, for your input. And when we come back, Louis, starting with you, love to get your feedback on, based on what Ravi mentioned as a good, uh, what I call as a, a roadmap or rather a blueprint of how you can align teams and where do you stand with respect to that if it was to be used as a benchmark. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoe Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Louis, coming to you based on uh, what Ravi has laid out, that is a, a pretty sophisticated, uh, you know, uh, an approach to getting different trains running and signaling and orchestrating. What do you think are the issues that you feel, uh, Louis, that will hold you back from building this ideal blueprint or executing on it? I think if you get too lost, um, I want to say I'm execution uh, first, right? So you, you need to get deliverables. If deliverables are not made from little to big, it's going to be, it's going to be really challenging. So, uh, the first thing is you have to understand what are the uh, tactical solutions that they need to build in order to build trust and to earn some time and deliver those. Like th those are the, the main things you have to, to focus on two or three projects and say, Hey, this, this are not gonna, uh, I'm gonna pull, get your full, your focus full in and build your strategy for five years or 10 years or how, how, long you want to so if you deliver those then get in two or three that are bigger that are more complicated and deliver those and once you have delivered those five six ten projects then you're going to be uh you're, you're going to have earned trust you're going to have earned benefits you're going to have earned uh some some real sponsors to back your strategy saying hey this is actually working right uh and it can be in, in, the, in the full uh, length of data, uh, it, it, it can be a dashboard. It can be a database that everyone is doing manually once a week. It can be a, a, an algorithm that actually does AI for, <clears throat> for some piece of the work. Like they, they don't have to be uh, real complicated things. They have to be things. And, and this is the, the, the most important part for me because I always talk my teams. <clears throat> I always try to teach them this. I, I work for insurance. I am not hired to do state-of-the-art data. I am hired to deliver data for business makers to make better decisions. Like, I, I, am, not, I am not getting paid to challenge Amazon or challenge Netflix in their architecture or in the, in the pace they do. I am, I, am, I am getting paid for them to do better than we do right now. And to, to make make uh, the insurance um, industry better, like if I if I can reach that, that's that's a good point for me. If I try to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna be the Netflix of, of insurance, it's just the gap between us. It is too big. It, 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 I wouldn't know where to start. So if if you do uh, little by little, start building your data right, 
start delivering projects, then you can do things that are uh, in the long term. But the other, otherwise, you're just going to uh, kind of stay in between. You never delivered anything, and uh, you're far too deep in the project to change. And then the, the, the harder conversations to start. And, and I think we've all made that mistake saying, hey, we're not going to do uh, any, any tactical. We're going to go end game. And, and the end game didn't work out in the end. You, you have to build tacticals. You have to build uh, small solutions that help people and that make them understand that the, the end game is great, but execution is first. <clears throat> Navi, so you have any thoughts on what you think has happened uh, at your end and what's worked, what's not worked as you try to build this beautiful blueprint and bring it to execution? Yeah. I think one of the things uh, that have worked really well, at least for our company, is the agile approach, right? Because of the speed at which we can deliver. Um, and the second thing uh, that we've uh, done is we've started to hire product owners, right? So earlier, and that has been one of my missions, is there is a data strategy, there is a governance element that should be owned centrally by the digital or the information officer, but then there are domains and ownership and how the data gets used and all that needs to reside in all the business units and within the functions. So we need a data evangelist in each of those groups so that they can take work very closely with us and deliver the business value that we're looking for. So uh, one of the, uh, a couple of areas where we have hired really strong product owners to me like in our sales and marketing, those that data insights and those dashboards and all they are top notch that person is evolving and continuously improving them and giving more and more information that we need and works very closely is almost an extended part of your team now the with covid supply chain was another issue right with a lot of companies where is the product are we getting where's the inflation where is my order what is the raw coming in and all raw materials so now we've hired a supply chain um uh, data leader, um, and that is working very closely with our team. And now we're making way faster and more progress in that area because we have somebody who's working with the teams to push that agenda forward. So to me, one of that uh, org structures where there is central um, teams and then there are uh, business owners and the functional teams are really, really working for us. Um so Ravi, let me come to you about, like you mentioned that you got great execution, uh, at least the blueprint is there and you're working towards uh, essentially executing the best which you can. But while all along you do that, people are seriously concerned about security and the governance of something that beautiful that you put together. Because if it is not, uh, somebody will get fired or lose their shirt if there's a breach. And also, if it is not governed properly, what you created as a good-looking castle could come crumbling down very quickly if governance were not put in place. So where do you think, alongside that beautiful blueprint that you mentioned, we could safeguard from a security and governance standpoint? Or what are you doing to that end? Very, very uh, relevant, very important uh, point and question here. I'll say one of the most important relationships that uh, a chief data officer needs to have is with the head of security, the chief information security officer, right? or CISO is what we call it in many companies, 
the head of compliance and the head of governance, depending on how we put it. It becomes very, very important, especially in companies that are more financial services oriented. So you have SOX, you have Basel regulations, you know, in the pharmaceutical industry, you got, you know, other regulations to deal with, healthcare as well. So every industry is slightly different, right? So we got to be aware of the regulations. And so uh, even though they're not, this is not a very uh, new and exciting uh, area for a chief data officer who'd rather talk machine learning and AI all day, it's very important for the leader of the organization to be aware of what is GDPR? What is CCPA? Why do I care? So you know, having that education upfront and being able to tell that to your teams, I think is very important. The more you, the chief data officer talks about these things, the more that people become aware of, it becomes part of the DNA, the culture, right? So that's very, very important. The second aspect I'll say is when we start these projects, when we have this massive you know, strategy engagements or execution engagements, it's important to involve some of these folks upfront, right in the beginning, right when you're doing requirements, you're trying to figure out what this is going to look like. So having secure, giving security a seat at the table, I think is very, very important. One, they feel valued. And two, when you actually are ready to go impress the business, they won't shut you down, right? I have seen numerous examples in my career where you know, CDOs have done an amazing job of quarreling the troops, getting everything done, only to be shut down at the very last minute. And they couldn't make the go-live dates and you know, promises to the business because security said, uh, you're not ready, right? So having that flexibility, that relationship with your cybersecurity partners, I think it's gonna be very, very crucial to success. Uh, and of course, you know, putting together a governance plan up front, like we talked about, I think it's gonna be very important. And at some, at one level, you almost wanna kind of connect the business to your security teams, right? And you know, you're, you're like facilitator, but at some point as, the facilitator, you can, your job is done when you connect them and you get out of the way, let them work their problems out, right? When there's a problem, you have something that cannot be resolved, that's when you step in. But for the most part, when security can, you know, questions things like, you know, is this PII data? Why is PII data needed to make your decisions? Can we just obfuscate this data? Can we tokenize it, put it on the cloud and you can just retrieve it on demand? We would like the business to say, no, I cannot function. I cannot make business decisions unless I have data in the clear in this environment, right? So having the business support your viewpoints when it comes to execution and things like that, it's very, very important to execute success. So it all starts again to summarize upfront relationships, you know, making sure that we are strong, we are on good talking terms and we are able to execute together, giving them a seat at the table at the outset, and then keeping the relationships smoothly functioning is very important for our success as CDOs. So, Louis, when you look at, uh, you know, like the way you explained your initiative is that you've started it and you're enjoying that journey, but at the same time, you're also supposed to, in some form or fashion, ensure that you embed security in the DNA of your whole data organization and also ensure that you put governance structure in place. But when you're yourself trying to build a house, if you will, how do you put such things into the DNA, especially when the structures keep changing, the needs keep changing? Um, yeah, it's, I think it's a matter of foundations. Uh, no matter how, how big is the pressure, no matter how hot is the temperature, you need to have governance in place. 
uh, if you or uh, if you stop having governance because you are trying to deliver faster, you're 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 gonna crash at some point. Like either you have to go back and redo the work, or you're just gonna plane crash it. So uh, the the governance and the security thing, uh, I, I I really agree with Rav here. They have to be uh, on point since the beginning. It, when you when you do that. It may take a, a little while longer, but it, but but you make sure uh, it happens. Um, that things happen, and and it happened to me um, not so long ago. Uh, I've been with with a year, but this was with another company. Uh, we we created a solution that helped uh, sales salespeople go faster, and <clears throat> you know, and then making kind of goals specific to each person in, in the sales floor, and it, it was really cool. The thing is, we never we never uh, check with security, right? And this was with a with a tool that you could have on your cell phone. So we delivered the app, we rolled out the app, we rolled out the the the, the kind of the dashboards uh, from 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 the end uh, of the project, and we got stopped at the rollout, right? Even though the server was right, even though the information was protected, even though everything happened. Because we didn't have security from the beginning, uh, we got really we got kind of stopped for two months until all the security uh, issues were checked, until everything was you know uh, revised and everyone saw the documents at the very detailed level, and we missed opportunities of a winter sale. So it's just like if you don't get security involved from the beginning, you're just gonna stomp out of uh, out of the wall. So one last question for you, Navi. Um, organizational structure, culture, leadership, these are all softer sides, but when you're doing something like modernizing the data management, where it's, it's, it's part art, part science, what do you think should be the tenets of a conducive culture, a conducive uh, organizational structure and effective leadership, which will provide the necessary support for modernization data management. Yes, and that's a good point that you bring up, right? Uh, what do I have the perfect answer? No, because we're learning as we are moving along too, right? So um, I think one of the most important things that I've seen that works in most of the organization is a top-down culture, right? When the CEO and when the, all the leadership team is behind it and asking for it, and when your CEO says, hey, I am not going to look at your access, I'm not going to look at Excel, I am going to go into this place and that is where I'm going to get my answers, that helps. That gets the whole organization speaking the same language, speaking the same data and all that. To me, that top down and then once it starts to, uh, that's where it starts. And then everyone starts to look at those data sets and they start asking questions that, hey, this data doesn't look right. Can, can we go fix it? There is energy and then effort that goes into getting that started. So they generally show that arrow where all the arrows are going different ways and you lose energy when everyone is aligned going that one way. I think that has helped. And data is not only a CIO or a CDIO or a chief digital data officer's job, right? Data is everybody's job. We want to make sure that we are a data-driven company and a culture 
and that everybody has to be putting in their part. So to me, actually the top-down culture and uh, and the leaders getting behind that and making um, that a big deal, you have to make data a big deal. Any company that is not making data a priority are going to really hurt themselves and fall behind. Once again, thank you so much, uh, Navi, Ravi, and Louis, for sharing your insights about how organizations can take a step back, evaluate what they're doing, understand the value of data, work with the management, and as a result, come up with a good strategy and execute it impeccably as much as possible, Keeping take, take, take care of the security and the governance along the way, and of course, keep improving their leadership jobs. All the things that we discussed towards this end holy grail of having a beautiful looking modernized data management approach, which will help the and serve the business well. So thanks so much again. Lovely conversation. Great insights. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Have a good one. And connect with us on social media. Subscribe to our podcast, please. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog, all signing off. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.